My name is Christina, and thank you for checking into the Home for Wayward OCs. This is a podcast where I guess and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. And guests, would you like to introduce yourself? Good evening. My name is Christian. Uh, I go by Sharfo online, capital S-H-A-R, capital P-H-O-E, and I have he, him pronouns. Excellent. Thank you very much. And who are we going to be talking about today, Christian? We are going to be talking about my OC, Shari. But, so, where do you want to start with Shari? Um, would you like to start with, kind of, because you mentioned on the uh, on the Google responses that he was originally your online avatar before moving to an original story. And that intrigues me. <laughs> yeah, I figure that's a good place to start. Let's see. It's kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep only the important bits in. Shoot, we got time. (laughs) Okay, so I had a, well, I guess I do still kind of have. It's uh, in mothballs at the moment until I figure out what else I want to do with it. But I had another story that I was uh, writing way back when. I'm talking, I started when I was like uh, 12, 13 years old. So you know it's good. Um. And I had a character who appears in that story, kind of a, if you were to compare it to like a uh, a Power Rangers type experience, he would be the, like, Mm. the Green Ranger showing up later kind of character. Uh, And his name was, uh, his name was Drake. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took, well, I like all of my characters, but I took a, a very particular shining to Drake way back when, because it was my first foray into, I guess, not exactly edgy territory but definitely like anti-hero territory which yeah babies are such lord yes exactly so uh i was very i was very enamored with him as a character so in my time i spent on the old forum uh gaia online i if you've heard of that one ah i i have heard of it but my parents never let me get a membership with Gaia Online. I guess they figured that Neopets was enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one or the other, not both. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, uh, while I was on Gaia Online, I decided to have my avatar cosplay as Drake, well, to the best of my abilities from the the stuff available on that site. Of course, there was the 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 caveat of you know the avatar being based off of me, but Drake is obviously not me. Drake is white. I am black. So, uh, I did the I did the best I could with the uh, with the resources I had, and after a while, people like people I made friends with on that site and things uh, got accustomed to seeing me as that like as that avatar in essentially like all black clothing with the uh, with like bright red hair and instead of the cape that Drake would normally have, uh, the best I could find on Gaia Online was a, like a long flowing scarf. So I went mm-hmm. with that instead. There you go. Um, so after a while, with enough people drawing my avatar from there, uh, this was also at a time where I wasn't quite comfortable drawing myself for like mm-hmm. self-confidence issues and things like that, that I basically just used, I used Shari uh, as I had named him from my from my username, obviously there's the connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a proxy for me whenever I would do things like uh, like write myself as like an author insert into comics or what have you. Mm-hmm. 
uh, after a while, uh, once I became like once I actually did become confident, just confident enough to actually start drawing myself as myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to let go of Shari completely because you know I had had so many times I had just thought a lot about you know things I could potentially do with him. It's one of those things where even if you don't uh, like even if the original concept didn't take off, you still don't want to abandon your darlings, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So eventually he did evolve into his own character from there. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny to me that, like I said, the story he originally came from is mm-hmm. kind of just like on hiatus until I can figure out how to actually make it uh, good yeah. and not just Fair. the ramblings of a 12 year old who just got into anime. But I, mean, um, I, <laughs> I, I think if, if the last, Six years of media have taught me anything. It's that sometimes the best media is based on the stuff that you loved when you were little. And now you just, now that you are older, you have the time, the energy, or maybe not the time, but you have (laughs) the, but you have the energy and the skills and the knowledge and the passion to go back and tackle it again with the kind of craft that you maybe did not have access to when you were younger. That's true. It's kind of like, uh, you know, your inspirations bleed into your work and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, I, I think there's also a lot to be said for like, don't, you don't have to worry about, be, as long as you're not specifically plagiarizing, don't, you don't have to worry about creating the world's first original piece of work. Like... <laughs> No work is completely original. Every everything has inspiration from something. Exactly. And actually, real quick, I want to go back because you mentioned that people were drawing Shari. <laughs> oh, yeah, like- I mean, it's you know the way Gaia Online works. Lots of people will you know pay uh, like uh, on-site gold or you know uh, real money for commissions for their characters oh, for like yeah okay, okay. things like that. Uh, plus, I was also in some, like, I was also in some RP forums on that site, so oh. that kind of thing just came as a matter of course. That's so cool. <laughs> it was, and it definitely, it definitely, like, put me to shame way back when, because I knew some real talented people on that site. Hey, hey, don't shame young Christian. Young Christian <laughs> was doing the best he could. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. I was. And I have definitely, I have definitely improved by leaps and bounds from then. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I will, I will absolutely take it. I mean, I had to get here. I had to get where I am now eventually, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, sorry, looking at the, looking at the Discord call reminded me of a question that I was going to ask, which is not at all relevant to Shari, which is... Go ahead. Why, why do you pick, why do you pick costume Jigglypuffs? Are they cool? Is that it? <laughs> that was okay. Okay, so <laughs> this like, is another Tanner, long story. Tanner's got uh, a matching ones, so I'm like, I know yes. this is your thing. <laughs> yes, this is a this is a this was my thing for a long time. So, um, it's not a it's not a Jigglypuff per se, though. Again, it was inspired by uh, the likes of things like Jigglypuff and Kirby. Uh, they gotcha, were okay. they were called Carricks, like short for caricatures. Um, Mm. 
And since I had absolutely no confidence in my ability to draw human beings, that was just kind of how I went for a long time doing uh, doing those drawings for friends. Um, ah, and gotcha. it has been, yes, it's been a, a very long and arduous process uh, translating that back into the ability to draw human beings. But um, I feel that I feel that <laughs> I try not to look at it. I try not to look at it as like this cringy bit of my past, but I mean, I mean, I, I, even I have to admit it is a little cringy. No, I don't think it's cringy. I think it's fun. People, people liked it though. I, sometimes I wonder if they only liked it because I was willing to do most of it for free, but, uh, (laughs) I, I also think the fact that Tanner has kept their icon as, as your, um, uh, Carrick. Carrick. Yeah. That, Tanner has kept their icon as your character for so long. I think testifies to how much people enjoy them. <laughs> I think so because, and it's not just Tanner either. My fiance actually still uses the one I made for him. Aww. Gosh, what? Uh, nine, ten years ago. Precious. It's been a while. <laughs> it does make me. It does make me very happy. True love is having matching avatars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I might do a revamp on them sometime just to just to freshen things up. Oh my god. Like I said, I don't really do them for anybody else anymore. It'll be like a uh, it'll be like a special edition set. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh so where were we? We were talking about uh how about Gaia Online and how you took uh Shari to an original media, to an original fiction. Yes. Uh I guess uh, it took a while for me to, well, in all honesty, like his story isn't, still isn't fully fleshed out, but it's definitely, Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely come along way, way more than it used to be. It is essentially a story of incredible amounts of perseverance in the face of adversity, uh, Mm -hmm. to put it mildly. How can I best describe this? Uh, From what I have so far... He is, uh, on the planet he lives on, he is essentially a timeless warrior who is resurrected every few generations whenever a certain threat looms over the planet. Uh, okay. His, yeah, his enemy, a, a being with no real name, but he refers to him as Stroya, uh, is... Nice. Uh, essentially a a harbinger of the not necessarily apocalypse for the planet but he's a giant reset button let's say if for any reason he isn't stopped he unleashes an attack that essentially sets the whole planet back uh like millennia in terms of like development and technological advancements and things like that basically making anybody who survives uh have to start from scratch and Mm -hmm. shari's shari's duty every time that he is uh essentially summoned back to life is to find him and attempt to defeat him before that happens the caveat of that Mm -hmm. and uh the reason that it's so difficult for him is that there are rules in place for him mm-hmm. that he cannot seem to break that 
make the make the ordeal just that much more difficult for him. Essentially, if this was a game, it's very much rigged in Stroya's favor. Interesting, okay. Shari's power set is based on a system that he calls the code system. Code standing for color of destructive energy. Um, because like, as I described him before, he wears like mostly black, but his hair and his scarf are a, are a vibrant red. Um, okay. how his power works is that his strength and abilities are tied to what code he's currently in with red being his default state, which every, with every color he shifts up the spectrum from red to orange, yellow, green, blue, then violet, okay. his Power level doubles and he gains access to more abilities. However, it is a drain on his life force, essentially. He has a okay. he has an invisible timer, essentially, uh, mm-hmm. counting down like how much time he has left to be alive. Um and with each, like I said, with each code he goes up, the amount of time that gets uh that ticks off goes by faster. It goes from uh code orange is Hours, yellow is days, green is weeks, blue is months, violet is years. Interesting. About how how you specifically said that like his that, that his powers are more are more potent, are stronger, but also uh, take a heavier toll on him. It it I, I took just enough physics in school to feel like it's something like, oh, as as he becomes stronger, as he sh- as he shifts into different uh, higher frequency codes, it's like, is it because his atoms are vibrating too fast? <laughs> I don't know. This is all I know this, about atoms yeah, and wavelengths. This, uh, this might be a uh, like a speed force scenario. Tapping into too much of it has negative consequences. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. And if I were to try to put it into numbers. Like I said, his power his power doubles with each code. So if he has a base, let's say, power level of a thousand, orange is two, yellow is four, green is eight, blue is sixteen, uh, violet is thirty-two. Mm-hmm. And even though like he hasn't been able to get an exact count exactly, but he's pretty sure that Stroya's power level is somewhere in the low millions. Mm. So if we were talking about this in terms of, let's say, since we're talking about uh, power levels, the most direct, uh, the mm-hmm. most direct comparison would be something like Dragon Ball. Yeah, yeah. At Shari's base level, he would be able to go toe to toe with Raditz and maybe barely win. Mm-hmm. At his max level, he would probably still lose to Zarbon and Dodoria. Okay. Stroya is sitting around the level of Majin Buu. Mmm. So. Cosmically, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Every, like, like I said, everything is, is stacked against him in this case. Because it seems like it's already, it's impossible to do so with his, with his level of power. And as he has found out over several generations of trying Nothing he does can increase that power in any form. It's locked at exactly what it is for every code. No amount of training or anything like that can make him any stronger. But he does have a trump card that he can use. Oh? 
Yes. Uh, he has one final code that he can tap into, which is code white. Which, once he uses that, it essentially, uh, it essentially maxes out the, like, all the power he has at his disposal. Mm -hmm. However, no matter how much time he had left on his life clock, it cuts it down to exactly 62 seconds. Ooh, so it's Ultraman rules. <laughs> yes, basically. He has, yeah, he has a minute to defeat Stroyo with that power. And once that minute is up, Shari dies. Now, Code White has been strong enough to hold Stroya at bay uh, in the past. But Shari hates having to use it. Because, obviously, he doesn't want to die. Mm -hmm. And using Code White feels less like a victory condition and more like forcing a draw. Because every like even when he defeats Stroya this way, he dies. Generations later, he comes back. Stroya has returned, and it all begins again. So mm -hmm. it's an endless cycle of him either having to sacrifice his life in order to defeat Stroya, or dying before he can do so and dooming the the world he lives on. Mm. So yeah. yeah, so his his long term goal is to find a way to circumvent the rules that are holding him back and defeat Stroya without sacrificing his own life in the hopes that doing so finally ends the game for good. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, there's um there's still details to uh to hash out from that, but I feel like it's a pretty good baseline to build on for the future. Yeah. And if it's okay. I kind of want to start like I kind of want to like poke and prod at different parts of the story. Oh no, go ahead. And if if you don't know, that is okay. <laughs> Cuz right as you mentioned, this is a story that you're still that is continually in progress. Yeah. Anything you want to ask, feel free. Okay. So, I guess the first question is what does an actually real quick remind me of the name of the planet? that uh that shari and stroya are the planet is on. the planet is still unnamed it's okay. probably going to be earth-like in form because i obviously there are people on the planet there's a population of people that he would need to protect mm -hmm. and oh thank you actually for bringing that up because there's another thing that i forgot to mention <laughs> regarding that the way that uh, the way that Shari works is that when he is first brought back to life, he actually has no memory of the game or anything regarding that. It is only once Stroya actually makes an appearance on the planet that his life countdown starts and the uh, the memories of like all of his previous incarnations come flooding back to him and he realizes what he has to do. This is in place so that he has time to get to know the people of the world around him and form connections and mm. actually have something that he wants to protect. So that he has stakes. Yes, exactly. Because if he, like, if he had no connection to the people of the planet and was only doing it because he felt he was in his nature to do so, then there's a chance that somewhere along the line he might just decide it's not worth it and give up. Mm -hmm. But if he has people that he feels are worth fighting for, then he's more likely to actually put in the effort every time. Which, again, just kind of adds to the inherent cruelty of this whole endeavor. Because, 
the question of like, why is this happening? Who is putting him through this? Why, why is this a thing that he has to do is a thing that weighs heavily on his mind. Cause like, why can't I just live a peaceful, normal life? Just Mm -hmm. one life is all I want, or I don't have to worry about throwing my life away. Yeah, the 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 continued cycle of 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 battle and defeat is it's the dark side of intelligent design as yes. like a theological concept. Yeah, exactly. And when your only options are either to lose like lose and essentially cause a minor apocalypse or force a draw at the at the cost of your own life, it starts to become it starts to weigh very, very heavily on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though I will say that Shari does not have to go through this completely alone because not yes. only does he have Glad the not it. only does he have the people that he connects with every generation, his one constant companion is his scarf named Zion, who is uh, essentially a a symbiotic entity that exists along with him. Not only does Zion keep him company, uh, you know, no matter what was to, what were to happen with the planet that they're on, but he is also essentially the regulator for Shari's power, and he's also prehensile, and basically acts as um, acts as Shari's arsenal, if not like uh, like an extra limb. When he goes into uh, higher codes, he can do things like become weapons. Uh, uh, break up into chains to bind enemies, um, mm-hmm. fire projectiles, mm-hmm. things like that. And it's actually, I haven't entirely worked out the details on this yet, but I want to say it's actually Zion's call when it's time to activate Code White, because like I said, it's not something Shari ever wants to do, so it's not something he would want to activate willingly. It's... um. It's a matter of if the fight is obviously like, well, if the fight's not going in their favor and it mm-hmm. almost never does, like Shari can can try to uh, do as much as he can with the power he has. But once Zion realizes that, you know, either time is running low or mm-hmm. if they don't do something soon, Shari runs the risk of dying before he has the chance to uh, activate it. He will essentially make an executive decision and do it. Um, and basically just ask for forgiveness in the next life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do, I do really like that they have a, uh, a very, not a give and take relationship, because there's really no, like I said, it's entirely symbiotic, there's really no taking involved, but they do, they do get along very well with each other, for obvious reasons. Honestly, I'm just, I'm just really glad that Shari has a has uh, has a confidant wait does does zion remember all of the cycles yes zion does zion does too but it's not um it's much like with shari it's only it's only unlocked once the once the game begins okay Okay. The <laughs> yeah, it would be because... it would be a little rough for you know one person to have to bear the brunt of remembering. Oh no! Mm. Like oh right, we failed last time. Like millions of people may have died because of our mistake. It's mm. I mean obviously that hits them once the game begins and that memory comes back. But waking up to that would be so much worse. Yeah, yeah. Um... At least at least give it some time before it sinks in. 
Mm-hmm. How do how do Shari and Zion communicate? Uh, like, it's a it's a telepathic link. Gotcha. I, okay. Yeah, I I like to imagine that it's kind of like a carpet from Aladdin, where like to the outside mm-hmm. to an outside observer, it just looks like Zion is communicating via uh, gesturing, but they actually do they actually do communicate mentally. Gotcha. Okay. I'm glad that it's not just you know an eternal game of charades. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said, if you're if you're not Shari, it sure is. Well, no, it's it's more he'll res- he can respond out loud to what Zion is telling him. If you know anybody around needs to hear what they're talking about, mm-hmm. and then everyone else can probably pick up it from context clues. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. He's talking to his clothes. That's cool and normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Though I'm pretty sure once they see Zion actually like, you know, moving and flapping about without any wind present, I think they'd also be able to pick something up from that, too. Mm-hmm. And that actually leads me into one of the questions that I was going to ask, which is, you mentioned that Shari is essentially summoned when the new cycle begins. Um, what does, like, what does, what does the culture of their planet think of shari like is he renowned as like the hero as the savior as the harbinger of doom well no he's not he's (laughs) definitely not the harbinger like they know they know of stroya as well and if anybody is the harbinger it's him they call him they call him things like the silent calamity um Mm -hmm. the uh uh the the herald of the second sun because the uh, what he does in order to essentially wipe the planet is he. I almost want to say it's like an anti-spirit bomb. He stands in one place mm-hmm. and just uh, causes a bunch of energy to converge in one place to the point where it literally looks like a second a a second blue sun in the sky. And once that, and once enough power has been built up in it, he he drops it on the planet, and that just wipes everything. Mm-hmm. So that's also the the other time limit that Shari has to uh to to hunt him down is if he doesn't use up his own time first, he also has until that bomb is completed. Yeah. I just want to give Shari a break. <laughs> <laughs> he, he needs one, the poor guy. Is, I obviously, Shari goes through many, many different generational cycles of, of war and apocalypse, but across those different cycles, does Shari have any kind of, like, a support system, any kind of allies besides, uh, besides Zion, who is, who is with him all of the time? Right. Um, I've been thinking about that. I, I think, because there are still other characters that I would like to introduce into this world so that Shari and Zion aren't just going it alone. And I was thinking that there may be like a generation of, I wouldn't know what to call them, I guess, stewards or um, people who have like dedicated their life to trying to help him in any way they can. Okay, and like a line of descendants, that kind yeah, of Yeah, a line thing. of descendants who are who are tasked with trying to help uh, with trying to help the hero whenever he appears in their generation. And I imagine that obviously the longer he can the longer he can keep the streak going, the more help they're able to uh, afford him while, you know, as the 
the society prospers and technology advances and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they can't do very much because it's a matter of like, they literally can't do anything to Stroya themselves. He seems to shrug off any attacks on him that aren't perpetrated by Shari. So it's more a matter of trying to help Shari to literally game the system. Oh yeah. Um, because you, you, we were talking about uh, how the stewards and their line are there to help Shari out in his quest and to game the system. And you had mentioned earlier that there are different kinds of different kinds of rules and limitations on Shari. And I would love to hear more about uh, how he subverts those rules and uh, how he could theoretically get the upper hand over Stroya and perhaps end the cycle and actually get to like live his life like a regular person who doesn't well, have to save the universe. <laughs> it's... I would say it's more a matter of there are things he can there are things he can and shouldn't do, let's say, that um that he's already like well aware of. He's fully aware of how his powers work. So there are like there are safe and unsafe ways to use his codes, for example. Like mm-hmm. uh much like shifting gears in a car, he obviously like the way it's intended for him to work is for him to slowly work up through the gears instead of jumping from one to one that's mm-hmm. higher up. Mm-hmm. But he has learned over time that uh, if need be, um, he can prime himself, kind of like uh, priming an engine, to jump straight from code red to uh, to a higher code in order to avoid the the time and energy loss of going through all the prerequisite codes beforehand. Now, the downside to that being that uh, shifting back down from that afterwards is going to have repercussions that could be anything from a mild headache to blacking out on the spot. Mm, um, yeah. The, the, the cool downs are probably pretty severe. Yes. And he also has to be careful to choose his codes widely, wisely because if he shifts too much or shifts too... Uh, shifts too heavily back and forth between codes, he enters a state uh, called prismatic shock, where it is the equivalent of your soul having a heart attack. Um, Freaking yikes, my dude. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not pleasant. And the the worst part about it is that it basically completely um, short circuits the time clock uh on his lifespan to the point where it could end up having severely less time on it than there was supposed to be it could end up completely running out on him um mm. so and sorry when you say messing up his life clock is that in the sense of like your gas meter is broken and you don't know how much you have left in the tank or like it is adding or subtracting time randomly uh more adding and subtracting time randomly. He has gotcha. uh, he has yet to get lucky enough for it to add time, however. So he's starting to think that's probably not an option. It's just going to suck away a random amount of time from a chunk of it to all of it. So mm-hmm. only in the case of very extreme situations would he even risk that. Because obviously, if he dies before ever getting to Stroya, well, Stroya wins by default. When it comes to dealing with things like that, because obviously, like... 
in the in the quest to find Stroya's location, he also has other. Uh, oh God, he's got to find Stroya too. <laughs> yeah, it's not. He's not like in a designated place every time. It's a matter of yeah, he has to scour the planet to find him. So that's it's even more important. It's even, that's why it's even more important for him to hold on to whatever time he has because he has no idea how long that might take. And Stroya is not one to uh, make himself easily findable. So he kind of has to work with, I guess, context clues, or at least follow the screaming if things are starting to go south where he is. <laughs> because uh, a side effect of the second sun that, uh, that Stroya summons is that it creates these... Uh, shadow beings from its uh from the light it casts on the planet called umbrals and they are kind of like you know like your 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 general like heartless uh putty style goons that your hero can do because you know there has to be there has to be something he can do to make it seem like uh to seem like he doesn't just have the one fight he either loses or ties all the time he's got to get some minor victories yeah yeah <laughs> And when it comes to situations like that, he's just become really good at gauging the situation, assessing the threat level, and figuring out like what uh, what code would be the most practical to use, the most efficient to deal with the threat without um, without wasting too much time or energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's like he could probably handle like some of the most basic ones in in Code Red. But for tougher enemies, Z putties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Z putties exactly. Uh, then he would probably go up to code orange, maybe yellow. Usually, the latter three are saved for uh, more dire situations because of how how strenuous they can be. Usually, the um, the abilities that he has in his well, he doesn't really have any abilities in his base form. It's all tied to uh, orange and up. But he's adept enough at, you know, self-defense, your general martial arts kind of stuff, to be able to put those down without problems. Um, I guess if that's the case, I should probably go into the abilities each code actually gives him. That would help. You're good, you're good. He has no major abilities from from Code Red, other than uh, he and Zion fighting in tandem. Um, Like... Zion can essentially be like an extra set of eyes and block attacks coming from his rear and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, going up into Code Orange, he has the Arsenal Blades, where Zion will transform into different weapons for him to use. Uh, usually, like, usually bladed weapons, swords, uh, halberds, uh, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a that one is a consistent ability that persists through the uh, through the upper codes. Uh, as for mm-hmm. the the others are usually specific to their own code, okay. like code yellow gives him two new abilities: the sunray chains, where Zion splits off into sentient chains that can bind enemies. And uh, grapple them for, you know, throwing them around or just locking them down or what have you. And Gold Rush, which is just a a high-level charging attack that Shari can use to barrel into enemies to damage them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Code Green gives him his first, I would say his first projectile abilities. Uh, Jagged Jade, where he 
punches Zion into the ground and it causes uh, emerald spikes to shoot forth from the terrain into enemies. Ooh. And the uh, and then from there he has the emerald storm where those spikes then shatter off into shrapnel to uh, fire outward to uh, inflict like AOE damage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Code Blue gives him Azure Flash, which is his fastest ability it it literally like pumps him up to uh flash levels of super speed and the kinetic energy the kinetic energy that he discharges from that is used for the secondary ability which is uh sapphire ball where he builds all of that up imagine a if he had a continuous trail of light following him around uh, from when he activates Point Blue to when he activates Sapphire Bowl, all of that, gotcha, uh, yeah. all of that energy is built up into the projectile that he can then fire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, Code Violet actually gives him uh, gives him one ability, which is Chaos Chromatic, which lets Zion lets him split off into five clones of Shari of each of the lower codes to fight alongside him. Essentially, letting him fight uh, a fight sixfold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So nice. those are yeah, those are the abilities that he has uh, that he essentially has to pick and choose between for whatever the situation calls for. Uh, mm-hmm. Code White, on the other hand, doesn't have any named abilities because. Shari is not, um... Because it has a time to name him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With only 62 seconds left to live, I'm not really... He's not really concerned with names. But he's yeah, also not... priorities. Yeah, he's also not entirely in his right mind when he uses it. Because since mm-hmm. at that point, like, every fiber of his being is dedicated to destroying Stroya at all costs, it's essentially like a berserker state for him. Like instead of being instead of being one long flowing scarf, Zion splits off into uh six almost like lashing tentacles from Shari's back to just assist in the pummeling as he goes absolutely ham. Mm-hmm. Usually the uh the coup de gras for that is the um well, obviously it doesn't have a name, but once he has beaten Stroya uh, into submission, he usually will dis- uh, he usually will eradicate Stroya and the son that he was summoning in one shot with this uh, Bahamut mega flare style beam that fires from his mouth while uh, Zion's tentacles like puncture into the ground to stabilize him. Um, it's like oh no it's like it, it plays out like super cool in my mind i don't know if i'd actually be able to do it justice like <laughs> rendering it to paper but usually it's like since that's at the end of like since that's the that's going to be the end of the fight no matter what once that happens and stroya and the sun are uh are completely gone and the planet is saved uh shari's entire body just turns pitch black and his uh he fades into nothing now, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's aware of the passage of time between lives, because I don't think anybody would be aware of that while being dead. Otherwise, you're not really dead. You're just, I don't even know what you would call it, in purgatory? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that happens. Essentially, from his point of view, that happens. 
His his vision fades. He feels his life slipping away. And then before he knows it, he's just awake again in who knows where, who knows when. And he kind of just has to uh, reacclimate to his surroundings all over again from that point. This has all got to be so incredibly frustrating for him. <laughs> oh, yes, um, it, it absolutely is. But by the time it's frustrating for him, he doesn't really have time to dwell on it. Because obviously, like, if he can remember how frustrating it is, the game has started and he's got other stuff to worry about. Yeah. Here's a question for you. And mm-hmm. I f- feel free to answer this or not, because this is probably going to be spoilers. <laughs> but... What what would have to happen for Shari to win and Stroya to be defeated and for the cycle to not repeat? Uh, there has to be a win yeah. condition. There Please. is a, there is a win condition, despite whoever like whoever put him in this position, like despite what they might have wanted. Yes, there is a win condition, and that would be. Uh, exactly what Shari guessed it would be for him to be able to defeat Stroya without uh, without tapping into Code White and dying himself. Once he can like once he can do that, then it's almost as though um, Stroya coming back is linked to Shari coming back. So if he has like if he's still alive and doesn't have to come back, then Stroya does not return. Um, like I said, I haven't uh, I haven't worked out all of the details. But, mm-hmm. um, I do know what the, like, I don't know how he will get there, but I do know what the end result is. Yeah. And that is, um, obviously with Stroya gone and the, the second sun destroyed and the planet, hopefully at that point, um, at peace, unless, you know, somebody else gets the bright idea to be like, oh, you know, suddenly I want to cause trouble, um, what happens is now that the like now that the game is over and Shari no longer has the lifetimer, uh, he has essentially he essentially has all of that power like fully at his disposal now. The codes no longer matter, the time no longer matters. And on top of that, he can even tap into what used to be code white, now timeless white at will without any repercussions. So essentially his reward for all of this is not only to be able to finally live sleep. Yeah, yeah, to finally live a life and sleep peacefully. But he essentially has like a, all of the power of the universe at his disposal to to be able to be a protector of the protector of the downtrodden for the rest of his days but it's great because you know okay i still have like i may still have to fight people like he he finally gets to come down to the level of a regular superhero where you know no oh oh, good now i get to fight like you know bank robbers and people with too much money instead of literally the fate of the planet being being the only stake yeah yeah and I think that's more than enough for him because it also means he can finally, he can finally live out an existence with the people that he has been um, befriending over that, like over that final generation. Like he will actually get to see them grow up and you know get old and you know die of old age. And I know normally that's considered oh it's a super sad thing because he's going to outlive all these people he's friends with. At this point, he has. Uh, he has had to deal with losing 
so many Everyone. people in his life. Yeah, every Except every Zion. single time. Australia. Yeah, every single time that he has come back, he has already lost so many people. So the the ability to be able to actually watch the people that he's made these connections with actually just pass away of their own volition and not because of his own failures or anything like that. That's a huge step up for him. I'm not saying he's all for it. Like, yeah, death. But it's just like, it's not something that will bring him. It's not going to bring him pain and angst to be like, oh, I'm going to outlive all of my friends now. Cause it's like, okay, like they lived a full life. I enjoyed my, I, I enjoyed my time with them. And you know, now the next generation is coming along and that's new friends to make. I really want that for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am not the kind of person who enjoys making my uh, OCs suffer for no reason. So I am, com- I am right there with you in being like, yeah, you you deserve this after all the hard work you put in. And that's actually a good segue into the the second to last question that I wanted to talk about, which is, I just have it written down here is why. <laughs> why indeed <laughs> why why does shari have to go through this why like what is it that you are wanting uh readers or uh or other people to to take from his story to learn from it like why why does he have to suffer what do you want people to learn from his suffering and right um, and eventual victory. an eventual victory <laughs> yes um I would say the main thing I want people to take away from it is that, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a very, very poignant, like never give up type of message in there, despite Mm -hmm. uh, overwhelming odds. But also I think it's a matter of you can, like, nobody can force you into something forever. Like there's always, there's always a way to, break out to make your own way uh despite how bleak some things may seem because i have like i said i haven't figured out exactly why this is happening to him i like the the working title i have for this right now is the cruel game because like i said it's like this is like somebody's sick idea of a joke to be like hey let's put this guy in a situation where he either has to like he either has to uh die to win or die to lose and like mm-hmm. is it is it a matter of oh let's see how many times we can put him through this before he breaks or like let's see if there's a way for him to overcome this like do they want him to win because it sure doesn't seem like it that's why he feels like he has to find a way to break the rules in order to get out because it sure doesn't it sure doesn't feel like whatever is going on is meant to be uh is meant to be a cycle that he can escape mm-hmm. sorry i'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting here and thinking of the the conflict of futility versus the possibility of hope and the and the op- and the opportunity, the chance to, you know, someday get it, someday get it right, someday win. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like that that opportunity will never be there if you if you give up part way in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if 
if there is a if there is a cosmic force, if there is some kind of entity besides besides you as the creator of the story, Christian. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm the jerk in this situation. No, I, I if, if there is an entity separate, like within the canon, who's responsible for this, I hope that if there is some kind of in-universe being who set up this whole thing, I hope that Shari gets to meet them someday and gets some answers yeah i'm i'm thinking that might be that might be something that also happens down the line because if anything it might be an epilogue of sorts since the conflict between shari and stroya is like the main part of the story um but yeah having an epilogue in it where maybe shari does get the answer as to why he had to go through that all the time um would be like a good way to to add some closure now of, of course i provided i can figure out a being that's responsible, that's actually going to give a satisfying answer. Mm-hmm. Though, I mean, I could always have them give an unsatisfying answer, and then Shari would just have a bit more butt-kicking to do to be satisfied. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to go that route. I want to try to make it so that, I mean, to be fair, any answer, I think any answer Shari gets is not going to be worth the 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 pain that he had to endure and all the lives that had to be lost in the process. So I think no matter what, he's going to be angry with whoever made him do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, he, he has every right to be, of course. Reasonable. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah, he can get, like, he can get angry, like, he'd be angry on behalf of all of the, all of the lost generations, all of the progress that the people of this planet could have made if they didn't keep having the slate wiped clean every, like, century or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... I've got like other I have other <laughs> things in the works to to flesh out first. I'll get back to that someday because uh the main problem with trying to write stuff like this is that obviously if it's very uh combat heavy, it's hard to write a proper story around unless you have a really like unless you have a really good I don't like a really good benchmark to go off of that kind of thing Mm -hmm. where because you can't just have it be you can't just have it be wall-to-wall fights or obviously people would lose interest in it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you also can't you know get too in-depth into describing the violence or not even the violence necessarily the fights because then you're just reading yeah then you're simply just reading something that should be a comic book (laughs) yeah you're reading a transcript of something that should be like a comic book Mm mm-hmm and boy, do I not have the time to... I do not have the time to write and illustrate an entire comic book. That's for sure. <laughs> as much as I would love to. I, I I could not make a career of that. Yeah. I, I understand. I'm the same way. Because, <laughs> wow, it would be real great if we had, you know, all the time in the world to be able to do things like... Create art. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't get me started on that or we'll be here for another hour. Yeah, if we're going to talk about that, I got to go get me an alcohol drink instead of just my cup of water. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is there anything he wanted to talk about with Shari uh, before we go into the last question for today? Uh, well, I mean, I just hope that 
anybody who, like usually anybody who follows me on social media has been hearing some of the bits and pieces that I've been sharing here. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that if any of them are listening, hello, thank you for, you know, showing, showing that you care every little bit of like every little bit of feedback I get or, you know, support that's shown helps to like want to continue doing this kind of thing. Cause it's, it's always hard to want to like keep up the uh, enthusiasm for something like this when it feels like you're talking into an empty room. I mean, I mean, do it, yeah, do it for yourself more, like above anybody else. That's that's always that's always true. But at the yeah. same time, like just any, like literally getting any kind of feedback and hearing people say, you know, hey, I like this. Please do more of it. Would be great. Mm-hmm. hmm <laughs> Listeners of the show, please go bug Christian on Twitter. And by bug, <laughs> I mean send I mean send him gifts of positive spirit bomb energy to help support Ishari. Oh, that would be wonderful. Uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, but also I definitely I definitely can sympathize with the whole, hey, I have this character that I wanna that I made for me and I wanna put him out into the universe and Having to turn that, it's yeah, it's very it's very hard to just go. Hey, here's this like here's this stranger you don't know. Please care about him. Yeah, and it's hard <laughs> to go from it's hard to go from I guess external to internal motivation when it comes to creating like versus like the I am creating this I I am making this Minecraft content to get views on yeah. my stream versus. I'm doing this because I like it and I like having fun doing things. Or in maybe in Shari's case, I don't want to put words into your mouth, Christian, <laughs> but like but like I am I am making this thing because the story is important to me and I think people will connect with it. Yeah, it's a little of column A, a little column B on that one. I think I think both can be true. I, I am I, I do think about it as much as I do because I think it's a story worth telling. But also because like, hey, I, I hope people think this thing is cool and um, and it brings people's, uh, brings people's attention to, like, some of my other work, because Lord knows I, would, I have a, a, a plethora of other OCs that I would like people to receive, to be interested in. <laughs> and I'm like, if I keep throwing some at the wall, I'm pretty sure one of them will stick sooner or later. Mm-hmm, hmm I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole podcast just about that. And thank you for that. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> So that's basically all I wanted to say. So you said you had one more question for me? Yes. Uh, the last question for today, Christian, is... Why do you love Shari so much? I I think I like Shari so much because of the fact that I had uh, such a close connection to him when he first created, considering, uh, considering he literally was me for a time. Mm-hmm. But being able to branch out from that and give him his own life was really nice. Also, I guess in 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 a way considering that back when i just did the carricks they didn't have any um any given race or ethnicity because they were all just pink uh shari Mm -hmm. was actually like my very first uh my very first poc oc so Mm -hmm. i think i have a i think i also have another connection to him from that because thankfully i've been able to branch out and get many more since then but him being him being the first him being the progenitor of just 
so many things that have blossomed in my mind since then uh, earned him a, a, a very special place in my heart. Aww. That's sweet. And you know what else is sweet is letting him win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Like I said, it's literally in the script. You think if I, if I was if I was talking to him on a on, on set, I would be like, yes, yes. Don't worry. Like read the end of the script. You win eventually. We'll get there. <laughs> just just work with me here, Bubula. <laughs> and I'm just over here in the background, you know, with like one of those like one, one of those, those like, wolf fan, flags. fan banners that says support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he needs all the support he can get, other than other than, other than his emotional support scarf. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight, Christian, to talk about Shari and also Zion and also Stroya. I love getting to hear about all of them. Uh, and also, I'm just realizing we didn't talk anything about uh, what Stroya's motivations might be, so perhaps that will be a return appearance in the future. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> a, little, a little cliffhanger for the for the viewers. Absolutely. <laughs> Tag at WaywardOCPod on Twitter if you think that Christian should come back on to talk about Stroya from the opposite side of the conflict. <laughs> That'll give me plenty to think about, that's for sure. <laughs> Okay, so uh, before I forget, uh, th- again, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Where would you like to be found on the internet? And what oh. do you have that you would like to shout out and or promote? Uh, let's see here. You can find me on most social media, mainly Twitter and Tumblr at, at Sharfo, capital S-H-A-R, capital P-H-O-E. Um, as for something I would like to promote, uh, I have a book out which is not about Shari. Like I said, that story's still in the process of being written. But I do have a book called A Passing in the Rain, which is available for purchase in uh, audiobook format, uh, Kindle format, and softcover and hardback format on Amazon. Nice. Uh, any purchases from that obviously help me to be financially okay enough to continue thinking about uh, such frivolities as things my OCs might be doing. So any more support, <laughs> any more support on that would be greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess in that case, it's time for me to go ahead and do my outro, and I don't have to do a current events. I don't have to do a current events blast this time because uh, the election was yesterday. It's it's definitely very nice to not have to think about that as much anymore. That's for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's... It's still important, don't get me wrong, but, like, the part where we had a hand in it has passed. Yes, unless unless there are runoff elections in your area, which, I'm gonna be honest here, I worked the election yesterday. My brain is mostly jello at this point. Oh, you've gotta be so burnt out. Just Just the change of pace makes a huge difference. Time flies when you're promoting civic engagement and getting to hand out stickers to cute little kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes a huge difference. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. The Home for Weird OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be found through Acast and your local podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is Viola by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. We can be reached at waywardocpod at gmail.com or at waywardocpod on Twitter. This podcast is partly recorded on the, on the ancestral lands of the Kiakapui, Ka, Osage, and the Ocheti Shukalan Oyate. 
If you'd like to talk about Wayward or the other Corner Podcast Network shows, we have our own Discord server. Uh, there should be a permit invite available through Twitter, but if it's not, then just hit one of us up and we can get you the link. I am always looking for guests to talk about their original characters on the show, so feel free to drop me a line if you or someone you know might be interested. I do also have a Google form, which is the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account that just goes over stuff like, pitch me your character, and when can you record, that sort of thing. Uh, and as with all podcasts, it is always incredibly helpful if you can subscribe and rate us on your listening platform of choice, and especially recommend us to a friend, because it helps us to find a wider audience and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been Humphrey Ridosis, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Like, yeah, because um, you mentioned that there's, uh, aside from the whole. Alright? Yes, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, the noise that you are hearing is my severe weather radio, which does weekly tests at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. And I forgot it was Wednesday today. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. It's done. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> Listeners, having a severe weather radio may save your life. It also may may tragically interrupt your recordings. <laughs> Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice.